Bienvenidos y welcome to the Biz Bruja podcast, where we're claiming our powerful intuition, our sacred medicina, embracing our magic and healing ancestral patterns, invoke powerful creations in our own well-being, our lives, familias, community, and our businesses. Remembering that our businesses are so important at this time. I'm the creatrix of this blogcast, the biz bruja herself, Vanessa Codorniu, a modern-day bruja, fourth-generation psychic medium, clinical hypnotist, energy healer, and soul biz mentor mentor and coach, an Argentine-American who started reading adults at 16, became a professional intuitive at 22, and now guides creatives, intuitives, healers, and entrepreneurs to break through fears, connect to the practical power of their intuition so they can serve the world powerfully. Hello, everyone, and welcome. So excited to be here with Shirley Johnson. Hi, Shirley. Yay. Welcome. Taurus sisters on the rise. I asked Shirley to be here today because I met her about, I think, two or three years ago on the Elevate Voices Diversity Summit, um, elevating um, healers of all walks, diverse healers of all walks of life, of all types, of all paths. And I had the distinct pleasure of being in the same space as Shirley. And her energy so calming, beautiful, deep, and true that I couldn't pass up the opportunity to share this therapist, energy healer, spiritual guide, yoga guide. I mean, so many things with everyone. And so Shirley, welcome. And if you could share with us, um, I guess a little bit more about yourself, we would love to know about you. I'm so excited to be here again. And to be here again with you. And um, I love the work that you're doing. And I love how you are like cross-pollinating so many worlds and, and really uplifting, um, uplifting the community through your work. So I'm thankful to be here. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Shirley Johnson. And I am, as Vanessa mentioned, a practicing therapist out in Oakland, California. I work with couples and adults. I work mostly around uh, areas of uh, codependency recovery, uh, anxiety, depression, intimacy and sex, and relationship with money. I'm also, as Vanessa mentioned, been teaching yoga for over 10 years and still teaching and as well as studying energy medicine and metaphysics for the last 15 years. And uh, I'm from New York City. I'm uh, born in Brooklyn, raised in the Bronx. And my family's roots are indigenous to Turtle Island and Western Europe and West Africa. Mm. And Shirley, thank you. Thank you for sharing. And thank you to your ancestors, right, for bringing you here at this point for all of our ancestors. Um, when was that point in your life? Because I know you had shared earlier that it's almost like you, because your family was musicians and artists and how that is metaphysical within itself, right? Share, if you could share with us in your own words, like what was it like growing up in that environment and when did you realize that there was something more, something more to mind and body, right? Yeah, so it's interesting because yeah, the music thing is so interesting. So the other day I was just doing a meditation and I remembered my aunt told me, my grandfather, who is also a musician, he was a vocalist. He also played a guitar and he was in um, 
a band back in the day called the the Ink Spots. It was a doo-wop jazz band, toured the whole world. But he would put a bag of rice on his stomach and do his breathing exercises then. And that was his way of vocal training and breath training for for vocal, for his, his voice and singing. And I think of this, and I, he might've even learned this um, exercise in his travels in, in Asia, but I'm, I'm not sure about that. But nonetheless, I was thinking about how when we're doing breath work, whether it's yoga, whether it's um, in a musical outlet, whatever, that we are activating and connecting to this spirit within us. Like, so it's funny because it's like the things that people were doing back in the day that were making them connect to their spirit and connect to this, this part of them, the soul that, um, that may have looked like, what is this person doing with a bag of rice on their, on their belly? But it made me think <laughs> about these, these things that were just um, common at home or common in, at least in the conversations. And for me, I noticed it, it didn't, I loved as a kid, I loved music and dancing. I grew up with music and dancing all around me. And though, but then there was a lot of, there was a lot of issues too. Growing up with two artists and a Leo and an Aquarius I have as my parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My mom is Leo, my dad is Aquarius. They're both very, very talented human beings and bless them, they brought me and my brother into the world and their marriage and union was not built on solid ground and did not carry on. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of all, you know, scatteredness, I'll say. So I took the route of becoming very academic. I shared that with you of, you know, doing well in school and kind of getting through life that way. And it wasn't until my, my mid twenties that I realized all that institute, I call it institutional institutionalization being in a lot of very um, industrialized, white-centric institutions that are called learning institutions, but you're being programmed in other ways too. Yes. And I was after all of that and working also in corporate finance, which is a very a institution that mirrors the education system, that I was like, this cannot be it. I cannot have worked my ass off, you know, to, to end up and just be like, this is it. I work Monday to Friday and I drink Saturday and Sunday and hope to find someone who likes me. Like mm -hmm. that really uh, invited me to start seeking and to start exploring different, different spiritual traditions that were both in indigenous to my ancestors and also ones that were not. And it was through doing a coursework in naturopathy with my, one of my teachers, Dr. Africa, where I really, he looked at me one day and was just like, you're a healer. And it felt, I meant a lot hearing that from an elder in the community. And it also felt overwhelming, but it opened up something in me to, to, to peek around. And that's what's incited my journey. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful story. And as I was listening to it, I mean, that is what seeds our potential and challenges in, challenges into our power, into our magic, is having these challenges like in our home. My parents also did not have a, they were intense. Like it was a cancer in the Libra, but my mom has moon in Aries and my dad has moon in Virgo and you can imagine all that. Woo. Um, but that, I think that that seeds the opportunities for us to heal ourselves, right? And I mean, no wonder that you're doing work with couples now. Um, and for me, I had to find a way to heal because it's like, okay, this cannot be life where people are, 
arguing, they're not happy, and there was just something. Um, you also mentioned that, you know, the he hearing that you were a healer was overwhelming. I work with so many people, and that's what they come to me. They're like, I'm a healer. I've been told I'm a healer. I had a dream I'm a healer. And it happened to me as well when I realized that I was. It feels suddenly like the weight of the world is upon you. You know, so how did you manage to work through that from the initial overwhelming feeling of you're a healer, Shirley, <laughs> to flowing with it and with this ease that I see you and this calm that you are embodying at this time? Like, what was that journey like? Every day journey. She's like, do you, got, do you have a couple of years to talk? I got things to say. <laughs> I think it's every, well, for one, right, it's like, and I'm sure you see this in your work. I don't know if you identify this way. I identify also as being a recovered empath, an empath in recovery. And I use that term because sometimes it can turn on. Last year, I went to visit my aunt in the hospital. I, I'm usually pretty good about boundaries. A lot of my healing work actually is based on the premise of having boundaries. Yes. So one thing is then learning how to develop sacred boundaries with people and a sacred no, and a sacred awareness of, that doesn't work for me. And also knowing what my specialties and interests are. Someone comes to me with, wants to work with, um, you know, addiction to alcohol. That's not my specialty. And being very confident and saying, no, that's not my specialty. Here are some other resources or other folks I know who that is their specialty. So getting clear about what I'm interested in and not being so clingy to like, I have to take every opportunity, right? But that's a practice because you learn that, you learn what you like and what you're, you're really vibing with by sometimes doing the things you're not. But um, going back to the empath piece, I think, so I went to a hospital and all of a sudden the next day, my whole body gave out. I had a fever. I couldn't, I couldn't leave the hotel. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. That, that was like a, you know, energetic, psychic, like whoosh, laid me down. Yeah. So I say in recovery because I, for me, I don't think there's a way to fully shake it, or at least it's not fully shaken yet. Um, and I think what happens with a lot of people who are accessing their coming into being a healer or coming into that awareness of being able to have whatever their gifts is. And I think everyone is a healer. I think everyone is born as a healer. Um, some of us, that's our professional life. Not everyone chooses that profession, but everyone has that in them. I but agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, right? You see this a lot, I'm sure. Well, and I think, too, that we overblow the title of healer, like the media, online space, this burgeoning spiritual uh, online space. It thinks that the healer is always like this person with the crystals and hanging out or in a yoga, you know, or meditating on a pillow or dressed in white and like all these followers. And, you know, I have so many, if I had a dollar for everybody said, I'm going to be the next Tony, the next Oprah, the next Ayanla, the next Louise Hay, the next Marianne Williamson, I would be, you know, living in, uh, on, on top of a huge diamond. Um, but one of the things that I think I would like to share right now as we continue your story is that a healer is anchoring love peace and presence wherever they go right care listening um power within rather than power over which is what we've been programmed and taught and that needs to be enough for us that needs to be enough for us you know i do akashic record readings people are like tell me my purpose am i going to be this and i'm like they're telling me that you're here to be in joy and they're like 
I'm like, are you kidding me? Do you know what joy can create? Is that if you can anchor joy into yourself, into your relationship, into your workspace, you are changing the world, the ripples. And so I think that we make everything much more complicated, um, you know, than it needs to be. And so I love that you said that about healers, that all of us are healers potentially. And the truth is I've seen many people go, I'm going to be a healer. I'm going to do this. And it ain't easy being a healer. No, this is not for the faint of heart. Because also to me, the healing, I love what you're saying. It makes me think of in my, um, in Kundalini yoga, there's a saying, teaching is being. And I would say healing is being. Because if you're really going to walk that walk to your point, Vanessa, that means you're going to have to look at all the things in you. Like you can't, you can't get to avoid yourself and think that you can go out and help someone else, which is that empath piece I was talking about. A lot of people feel this need to go external and save, like, you know, project helping and saving on other people, but they don't even connect to themselves. And I think that I can relate to that. I was socialized to take care of people, you know, so it's a, it's a beautiful sort of mix. Sometimes the person who is, is programmed and trained to go out and try to help other people, but then realizing, okay, I might be a healer, but oh shoot, all that I'm trying to do out there is actually being invited to do in here. Thank you. And for everybody listening, let's breathe that in. Everything that we're trying to do out there is actually in here because I'm hearing from so many people that they get a card reading that they're a healer and they're already like running out and and there's so much healing that's not happening. And I've been consciously working on myself since I'm a teen and I could tell you it's been 30 years. I'm still working on myself and finding shadows and finding uncomfortable places within myself. Um, as I shared with you, I lost both my parents in the last five months. That's been a deepening and a healing and a stepping into elderhood. You know, even though I'm like, well, I'm not old enough to be an elder, but holding that space in the family. And so the healing never ends. Uh, I remember being like 22, meditating, thinking, okay, when I get to the top of those 150 steps, you know, of spiritual evolution, and then you get to those steps, there's another 150, there's another 100. And I mean, it's much nicer than that. You know, we think about the steps, it feels like, oh, there's more of a spiral and a flowing. And sometimes you're in the mud and sometimes you're laying in the grass and sometimes you're flying through the air. And healing is a process. And healing guides you into spaces that you're not gonna like but it doesn't mean that you're failing yes and and you know on the online spiritual world a lot of the memes a lot of everything it seems like well if i get everything or even the law of attraction like if i get everything that i'm doing it right i know some effed up people will have it all you know and i'm like boy in this lifetime or next lifetime when it hits and they have to wake up you know so it's we can have it all even if we don't have it all and i think that what quarantine is teaching us right absolutely we already have it all we were born as it all so it's the illusion that we would need something else and when we get like to your point when we get so attached to the idea that something out there is going to make us our all then we lose connection to here we start trying to connect to something out there and it's gonna it's gonna fall flat at some point similarly I, you know, I have a joke. I had a, someone joke with me the other day. I was like, you know, there's plenty of people who have money and the money don't mean nothing. They're miserable. They're sick, whether it be in mind, body or spirit or all three, you know, like, and at the same time, you know, we're tourists, So we also know like 
money can, money can help with some resources <laughs> to be able to tend to ourselves, but it's without the, without the, it's nothing without your own connection to yourself. Exactly. I love that. And you had kept bringing up the word empath and I'm an empath as well. And I realized we, there were no words for it. I remember I was like 16 years old walking into, um, I was in my family now lives in Miami for 20 something years, but we used to visit a lot. My family was there. My family's from South America, originally moved to New York. And then part of the family went to Miami. And I remember walking into that house. I was 16 and I was happy. I was like, mm. And no care in the world. Suddenly I'm like, I feel like this thing hits me. And I'm just like, and I just started crying. And in front of me was my mom's friend. She had her back to me and my mom was looking at me. And I said out loud, so this is a very dramatic example of, you know, of being an empath. I just went, why is he doing this to me? And I just started crying and ran out of the room. And I was like, great, I've lost it. I'm in the bathroom. And my grandmother had taught me to like wash myself and like release energy. And so I was like doing it. And my mom came in and she goes, you're just like my mom, it's okay. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was fine. I walked in and suddenly I feel like this pain and sadness. She goes, my friend was talking to me for about an hour. Her husband ran off, cheated on her with her best friend. So you walked into all that wall of energy, that emotion. And so it is that real. And, you know, growing up in New York City, like I've been living on my own in New York City since I'm 21 on the subways. Um, I was on the subways probably 30 years before I started building my online business. Uh, overwhelmed with people, sensitive as F. <laughs> and um, working, let's say, I couldn't go dancing when I was young, though I loved dancing. Because I would, if I wasn't just going to the dancing immediately and I was like feeling the space, I'd be like, oh, that person's getting molested. Oh, this is happening like in our group. And then later I would find out it was true. And so I would say that as an empath in New York City, that's what trained me to then be able to show up because uh, I have a program, it's an intuition boot camp. I taught it 12 times online. And part of that is dealing with being an empath. And so I would say I'm a recovered empath as well. And then I also call myself an empowered one because I'm using the tools because so many of us have tools. You know, I know people are like, oh, I know about granting. I know about this cleansing. And I'm like, no, no, it is not about knowing. It's about doing. And so what can you, can you speak to that of some of the challenges that have forced you? I mean, you just shared one when you went in to visit your aunt in the hospital, right? And then you were like, um, what are some of the things that you do as a empath in recovery to fortify your energy field? You said boundaries are very important in your work and for yourself. What are some of the ways that you hold that space in that way? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, boundaries is one. Boundaries is also based on looking at what works for me, what works for my lifestyle. So I'm not going to, but it's taken practice as, as you know, like, that's why we have to practice it. It's not enough to know it. It's about putting it into practice. So I think actually learning, learning and training to be a therapist was really helpful because it gave me their, the therapy model, the traditional therapy model is, is kind of rigid. And that can be really difficult for people. It's rigid. You got one hour or, or 50 minutes, you pay a certain amount. You don't, you don't have a relationship with the person outside of the therapeutic context. Um, 
and that and it's kind of kept there's like a frame of like this is when and how we connect i'm not we're not doing no social media exchanges i'm not going to your house you're not coming to my house and while it can seem at times very rigid and very kind of like sterile and white and there's also a medicine to it for me as someone who has struggled with boundaries and didn't even know I was struggling with boundaries about how much I would give really that was I think that's a big part how much I would give energetically to listening to people to every time someone invited me somewhere of going all of those things oh yes yes saying yes to all of this that being a therapist really had to connect me to that sacred no because then when clients also and I've made lots of I've done the things so that I could learn when clients say can we meet at this time instead and I say yes even though I know that that's the time I usually like to go to yoga or that's a time that I like to have silent or off and then noticing what well, I get resentful because I said yes to something that did that I know in my heart I did not want to say yes to yes so how can I learn and start practicing saying no and being like, this is what I have available. So it's helped me get kind of concrete, to be honest, around time and scheduling. It's still a practice. I'm still learning because it is, it's slippery, especially right now with everything being virtual. It's, it feels like on one level, I could say yes to everything. So I'm like, well, I'm home and I got a computer, but at the same time, still observing um, time off feels very important to the boundaries, having time to then refill myself. So really getting clear about what works for me and then creating my schedule and creating my lifestyle around that, which takes a lot also to be like, people call that selfish. And I think being selfish or self-full is actually great. It's a compliment. Thank you. That you're right. I do. I am putting myself first. I love that. I love you. I love that so much self-full. And for you was your therapy training for me, the creating of my business is what gave me the boundaries. Right. And it, and it saved my life because I was running circles for 14 years without charging. And I had 40 people in my apartment in New York City. It was like a three hour thing during the week, usually, or sometimes, yes, many, many years. So I've been doing a lot like it for me it was this is community service. I see myself as a priestess walking a path of service. So it was always like selfless giving. And at some point, you know, and feeling good about myself as well in it. Um, it wasn't martyrdom in any way, but it was just like. Yeah, you can come over. You want a reading. You want this. You want, and then it came to a point. I actually met a coach at a, an event from Switzerland or something. And she goes, I have a feeling about we traded, right? And so I did a reading for her and energy work. And she sat down with me and she's like, how many hours do you actually work in corporate and communications? And I was working at 45, almost 50 hours. How many hours a week do you give almost for free or very little money or a donation based? 20. So she's like, you've got 45 to 50, you've got 20 hours. You're young now, but eventually you're not going to, do you have a boyfriend at the time? I didn't, you know? And so she's like, you need to let go of this job. And life did it for me. Like I got laid off a couple of times. The department went under, they sold the business living in New York city, Manhattan by myself. My friends were like, you need to do this. And so my business has become my soul practice, my spiritual practice where I can't, you know, I can't let everybody text me. I can't. And then when my, in 2017, I started doing a lot of work in Spanish, brought in 44,000 followers in my um, Facebook Spanish page in a year and a half. I don't have that many in English, you wow. know, 
So, but I was doing videos every day, but that meant that I had like 30, 40, 50 messages in my inbox. Can you help me for free? Can you do this for free? If you were real, you would do it for free if you were real. And I had to be like, wow, you know, and it just came moment where I, I, I created a blurb. I have an assistant, but she doesn't, she works part-time, 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 um, where I have a blurb and I'm like, we know we're busy right now. We love to support you. Here's a link to book a chat to explore 20 minute free chat. And you can find more information here. And it's like copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Cause I'm one human. My spirit is woo, multi-dimensional, wants to do everything. You know, I was on an improv practice yesterday, even though we're in quarantine, um, we still try to do Zoom improv, but you know, it's so hard because you know, ain't nothing like the real thing, baby, right? So uh, in person, but one of them made fun of me. He's like, I want to write a book and have a business and do improv. And, you know, and I'm like, I know, I know. That's me. Be quiet. I get it. <laughs> it's my Gemini. Um, but my business did that for me. It helped me create boundaries. I realized that people texting me off the hook was not going to help. They needed to go to a website. They needed to have places where they would be directed. Genbook, I mean, there's so many different calendar booking systems. I like Genbook because it takes reviews automatically, right? And it stays there. So now there's like over 150 that I have or something. And meanwhile, you know, tons of people do not give reviews, right? They thank you in other ways. Um, but those links saved my life. And now I'm pretty adamant about like, I don't do many evening sessions, you know? Like, I do some on the weekend, especially if I had to reschedule someone because, you know, somebody passed or something happened, but I, I need to keep time free for myself. Yes. You know? And so it's so, so important. Um, as we begin to close our, our chat for today, um, what are some just like, I don't know, soul, soul messages that you have for the collective? heart-centered messages that are flowing through you for mm -hmm. us today, Shirley. Yeah. One of the messages I'm getting right now is to honor the body. I keep hearing the body is God. Mm. You know, we, many of us have learned to look externally or pray externally. And we have this temple vessel that we can bow to and tend to and care for every moment. And I think that's part of what we're talking about when it's like having those boundaries. Those boundaries are necessary so we can replenish our bodies and replenish our this vehicle because our bodies really speak to us. My body really speaks to me all the time. Yeah. And just slowing down, like honoring your body just the way it is too. Cause there's so much I'll honor it when I gain weight, when I lose weight, when my face clears up, blah, blah, blah. Just honoring the way it is. Um, listening, learning to listen to your body, I think is, is also the, the road of the healer because mm -hmm. so many of the, the messages and the insights we get come from our body. One thing I, my, one of my mentors would always say to me was, well, yeah, like the work you do is different than other people because you're using, your body is your instrument. How you feel is your instrument. I imagine the same thing for you, for many of us healers. Our bodies are our instruments 
So even being able to tap into the insights, tap into the where to put our hands, tap into the uh, what thing to go to. And so we must, must, must make the time to cherish and honor and replenish and cleanse our bodies. Mm, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I know that I needed to hear that because I've had even, and I know that's why I'm a Taurus son because I must really like honor my body because I could become so spirited in here and be like, I gotta do, I wanna play, I wanna, you know, um, and just letting my body just be quiet, trusting. I have a hammock in the back and I go out there and like lay there with nothing. And I have been dreaming about the hammock until I moved to Pennsylvania. I did not have a hammock. I lived in New York City. And now I'm like, the hammock's there, girl. You better lay in there. So, um, and I laid on the grass the other day and um, it's so important to just come back. This is our vessel, our temple. So Shirley, thank you for that message. I feel like I'm going to carry it through the day and I'm going to go actually take a walk and honor my body that way because I feel like I want to move. Um, thank you all so much for showing up, for watching, for listening. Um, Shirley, how can we connect with you? How can people find you, work with you? Yeah, my, um, well, I post any event that I'm doing, virtual or in person. I'm looking forward to in person um, on Instagram, and my handle is Soulistic Wellness, S-O-U-L-I-S-T-I-C Wellness, and that's also my website, soulisticwellness.com, so you can um, find out more information about what I'm offering, whether individually or for, for groups. Thank you, Shirley. Thank you, everyone. And we will continue flowing, learning, growing together. Have a beautiful day. Thank you.